And it is Jesus who makes this a glorious day. Welcome to this morning's broadcast. We're so glad you could join us. Yes, we're still looking at Romans chapter 1, verses 11 through 15. Today, we'll consider why we do what we do as believers. God's glory, our conversions, and also increasing our Christ-likeness will be presented. And now, with this message for today is our own Pastor Robert Elliott. Biblical fruit, developing Christian character, right conduct, life and work, those we lead to Christ, verbalized praise, and generous financial giving to the Lord. This is what the New Testament defines as fruit. You know, an apple farmer up north plants apple trees because he's in it for the apples. He doesn't plant the apple trees just to say their flowers are pretty in the spring. He wants the apples. He wants to eat the apples. He wants to give the apples away, and he wants to sell the apples. An apple tree is planted by an apple farmer for the apples. The apostle Paul gave out the gospel to the Gentiles because he was in it for the converts to Christ. That's what he wanted, expected. Paul began And Paul kept at sharing the gospel with the end in mind. He kept his eyes on the prize, which was converted souls. People translated out of the kingdom of darkness into the marvelous kingdom of his light. That's what he wanted. We need to know why we do what we do in our Christian lives. We need to know what we as a corporate body, as a church, do. Why do we do what we do as a church? We need to keep the end in mind. By the way, sometimes we do things, we don't even know why we do them. When someone sneezes, you know why you say, God bless you? Because it used to be believed that when a person sneezed, their spirit left their body. And if you didn't get their spirit back into their bodies promptly, then the devil would come in. That was the origin of that. By the way, why does the groom in a wedding ceremony come in first with his groomsman? Why not the woman and the man come together? It's not just to look at her gown is because the man is to initiate the wedding covenant. Men are to ask women to marry them, and women should never ask men to marry them. If you have to ask a man to marry you, you are going to have a rough time married. (laughs) God has made men to be initiators. God has made women to be responders. One is not more important than the other. They just need to have both initiation and response. We need to know why we do what we do. Do you know why uh, it started around the world that believers like us this morning start at Sunday at 11 a.m.? It's nowhere in the New Testament that I could find, 11 a.m. The reason they started at 11 a.m. was for dairy farmers. Dairy farmers got up to do their chores and milk their cows really early. They needed time to clean themselves up from the barn. And they said, okay, we'll meet Sundays at 11. And it took off and stuck. We need to know Why we do what we do. Let me just make it clear. Calvary Bible Church doesn't go week by week only to produce attractive bulletins and PowerPoint slides. Nor do we get, nor is the point of Sundays to meet the budget, although I addressed that. Nor is the point to just plan for sweet music. That's worthwhile. 
Nor is it just to make each other happy, to catch up on fellowship. Nor is it to just carry on a fine biblical tradition of over 50 years. You know, getting together is not even merely to get smarter in the Bible or to serve a community's temporal needs. Nothing wrong with any of these things. We don't get together regularly as a church to keep our teenagers out of trouble. No, we get together to glorify God by giving attention to his word and worship so that each of us will be conformed to the image of his son and God will get the glory. That's why we do what we do. That people would be saved, that people would be grown up to stand firm in their faith in maturity in Christ. That's why we do what we do. I remember we had a living nativity in Pennsylvania a few years back. Outside, in costumes, snow on the ground, very beautiful actors in costumes speaking this Christmas story. And at the end of one of these uh, performances, I was in the foyer of the church, and this little girl named Tezu was with her mommy. Tezu was about four or five years old, and her mommy said, you know, Pastor Rob, Tezu was just blown away with interest for the living nativity tonight. And she said, look right at me. Yes, how can I get involved? Four or five. We ought to be asking, how do I get involved? Because you want to get involved to worship and glorify God, but to encourage and care for each other and the community around us that is such dire need of basics. We get together so that we'll come to full stature in Christ as disciple followers, and that's the whole point. Every one of us needs to get involved in a ministry. Do you have a ministry? Should. You're needed. There are too many of us wearing five and six hats and too many of us not wearing any hat. You need to get involved in ministry if you know Christ. You need to really care. Third reason that the Apostle Paul really cared about the Romans And the third reason why we ought to really care for the people around us in the pews, Paul was obligated to preach the gospel to the Gentiles. And this included the Gentiles who were living at Rome. Verses 14 and 15. I am under obligation both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish. Thus, for my part, I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. Even though he prayed for them unceasingly, even though he prayed for them always, even though he heard of their sterling testimony around the ancient Mediterranean basin, the known world, he knew there were lost people at the Church of Rome. There are lost people here this morning too. He says, I want to get there. I'm obligated to get there and preach the gospel. That ought to be your heart. That no one would meet you except they face a why in the road about Jesus. Jim Elliott, I told you, wrote in his journal, God, make me a crisis man, a point in the fork of the road that no one encountering me can fail to need to see a decision about Jesus. Paul really cared, and you ought to really care, because he was obligated to preach the gospel to the Gentiles. Listen to 1 Corinthians 9, 16 to 18. This is Paul's inspired declaration of how he felt obliged. 1 Corinthians 9, 16 to 18. For if I preach the gospel, I have nothing to boast of. 
for I am under compulsion. For woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. For if I do this voluntarily, I have a reward. That's amazing. That God would save us by grace, unmerited favor, and then if we would just be obedient to what he tells us to do in his word, he would reward us at the beam of judgment seat of Christ. What grace. What grace. For if I preach the gospel and have nothing to boast of, for I am under compulsion, for woe is me if I don't preach the gospel, for if I do this voluntarily, I have a reward. But if against my will, I have a stewardship entrusted to me. Beth and I house sat in homes for very wealthy Texans when we were in Dallas for seminary. When they gave us their keys and their alarm codes and their daughter, when they went on a vacation without their little daughter, we were under obligation to alarm the house when they alarmed the house, to put the child in a car seat the way they put the child in a car seat, to leave their jewelry in their drawers, to feed their daughter the kind of meals that they fed their daughter, and to get her to bed the time they put her to bed. We were under obligation. We weren't free agents. We didn't say, well, now that we're caring for you, Savannah, it's going to be different. We were under obligation. So are you. So am I. Share the gospel. Give the gospel. If we do it voluntarily, we can have a reward. But if it's against our will, we share the gospel anyway. We have to remember that it is a stewardship, an entrustment, an obligation. And what then would be our reward? Paul says, what then is my reward? That when I have preached the gospel, I may offer the gospel without charge so as not to make full use of my right to the gospel. He is saying, as an apostle, I have the right for you to pay me to give the gospel, to support me in my family's needs. He was single. He says, I'm not going to call in that obligation on your part. I am going to give the gospel voluntarily with the reward that I can give the gospel without asking money from the people I'm giving the gospel to. Put some television preaching in the Bahamas through that grid. Thanks, Pastor Rob, for your message today. And now it's time for Youth Talk with Pastor Nicholas Rogers. Good morning. This is Pastor Nicholas in another edition of Youth Talk. And today we want to continue on change and talking about prayer and how we've been talking about this whole um, series, how prayer equals change when, we, when you pray like Jesus prayed. And today that's what we want to focus on. Um, the last couple of weeks we talked about change. Not necessarily the kind of change that happened to us, but the change that we get to be part of through prayer. We've seen how prayer has the power to change things in us and around us and through us. We even talked about how some of our biggest struggles with prayer, like what happens when we don't know how to pray or when we pray for something, but it seems like we don't get an answer, but we still have so much more as we consider this whole topic on prayer. And today we want to talk about prayer, how to pray. And I think that so many times as we think of prayer, prayer can be challenging sometimes, we think, because we think that how we see sometimes the world looks at prayer, you have to have these special words and these big theological words when we go to prayer meetings. But the reality is, is that God doesn't want us, and it's not no special magical words. He just wants us to have reverence and respect with Him. And as we look at this and we think of how prayer can be challenging, even the disciples found it challenging, and they wanted to know, how do we pray? As we see in Luke 11, verse 1, he says, He was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of the disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, 
just as John also taught his disciples. As we see, we see how they wanted to, to, to know how to pray. As they, they saw the model prayer of Jesus as he prayed, and, he, and they saw how much time he spent praying to God. When we consider prayer, some people may say, what is the perfect prayer? How do we pray? Well, Jesus gave an example of prayer. And, and people like to say it's the Lord's Prayer. Um, we, people recite it. But what I want us to look at it is more of a model prayer of how we need to recognize um, the steps of prayer and how we need to recognize, as we talked about in the first lesson, how everything starts and finishes with God. You see, when you pray, you're talking to God. You're not just, you know, you're not just talking to an individual like we, we like to talk to our friends. And it's not to be a difficult thing, but we have to have reverence when we come to God. So when we consider this, let's look at the, what the Bible said and what, what this prayer says. And we can we look at Matthew chapter 6, starting at verse 9, it says this. Pray like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if we forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. As we consider this and we consider how this prayer starts. The prayer starts just where we, we've been talking about. Our Father in heaven. We recognize who we're talking to. Imagine you for a second as, as you consider when you want to talk to someone. You want to get their attention. You want to call their name. You want to make sure they are, they are listening to you. And this is what we do when we consider when we come to our Father. And we say, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. We are showing reverence. We're showing that we respect this name. We, we show that we want you to hear us, God. And I think sometimes when we consider prayer, um, you know, prayer sometimes becomes where we, we just do our own thing. We uh, want to ask God for all of these things and without recognizing who we're talking to. When I consider this, this prayer, as, as like I said, we have heard it so many times. We can look at it this way as well as we consider the first point as we think of we're looking at the sky. We're looking above. The first thing Jesus does is he focused on his relationship to his father. And as we consider this, this is Jesus talking and he's showing them how to pray. He's recognizing he's talking to his father in heaven, not his earthly father as we think of Joseph. What I want to recognize I'm talking to you, my father in heaven. What a what a start to think about what a way to show his disciples the model prayer. Also, as we walk through this passage, we will see how um, everything again points, points to God. We show this God isn't a distant. He's not far away, but he being a father. And this was a new understanding for many of the people who were listening as they heard Jesus talking and how he's shown them this model of prayer that we need to recognize Jesus is there for us. Access. And when we consider that, um, the Old Testament with the priests, you know, they didn't have the, uh, only the priests had the access. But now Jesus is saying, look, you're going to all have access to pray to our Father, pray to God the Father. And what a, a great thing for us as Christians to know that we can call on the name of Jesus anytime, the name of God. We can call on it 
It's not like it was before. It goes on and says this, Your kingdom come, your will be done. Again, as we consider this, and, and some virgins say, May your name be kept holy. Jesus reverses the order in which many people pray. As we Again, as we, we look at a lot of people's prayer, they always want to start up with their needs. Well, God, I need this. God, I want this. God, I need this. But yet, he doesn't talk about any of that yet. And so many times we talk about the model of prayer, people use the acronym ACTS. And the first thing we are looking at is the adoration. We're looking at how we can adore his name, how we recognize his great and powerful name. And I think that so many times we ourselves forget this. We ourselves try to just jump the gun and just try to ask God for all the things that we want and need instead of really focusing on who God is. You know, as we consider this passage, as we consider and, and you know, we're running out of time this week to, to really unpack some more truth from this passage. But I want us to, as we close this session, I want us to consider something. I want us to consider when you pray, what is it that you want out of prayer? Do you want prayer to be just you giving a list of things that you want or need? Or do you want prayer to be all about God? All about who he is, all about what, not what he has done already, but what he is doing in your life, how he is great, how he's awesome, how there's no one like him. You see, he deserves all of our adoration. And I would challenge you as, as you, as we close this, this week, that you would tune in next week as we can cons- continue to look at this model prayer. And we continue how, first of all, we need to start with God. And as we go through this, we will show you exactly how Jesus showed his disciples how to pray and how we need to look at this model of prayer and use it in our own walk of life. This is Pastor Nicholas Min, another edition of Utah. And now, today's personal God story. Well, good morning, listeners. I'm pleased this morning again to have my brother and sister in Christ. DeWitt and Sally Simonette with us. Good morning, folks. Good morning. Good Good to have you here with us. Last time we discussed uh, the beginnings of of your marriage story, how you married at ET here in Nassau after meeting each other in Eleuthera, and uh, you had shared that some of the early problems in your uh, marriage had to do with not taking your, your wedding vows as seriously as you should have. Um, not getting any pre-marriage counseling and having some communication problems and some uh, overworking at a job problems. Uh, And now we're ready to carry your story further and forward. Um, After DeWitt, you mentioned uh, sincerely asking Sally for forgiveness uh, more than once. Yes. And uh, it just not getting any better. Right. Um, what what happened next? Well, I took sick, mm-hmm. and I had a serious operation. Mm-hmm. My chances was uh, eighty five uh, to fifteen. I mean, uh, fifteen on my side and eighty five on the other side. My, I was the youngest Bahamian to ever be operated on in the Bahamas for ulcers. For ulcers. Yes. Wow. So I gave myself as a guinea pig mm. for the doctors to do because I couldn't live with it anymore. So mm. 
gone through the separation during that time. The separation itself was painful, mm-hmm. but being sick. It was always said that if someone loved you or cared about you, at least if you were sick, they would come and visit you. Mm-hmm. So at that point, I didn't get no visitation. Of course, she after that she said that she came. When she came to see me, I was under uh, sedation. Right. Well, I don't have any knowledge of it, but I believe that she did come. Yeah. To, to see me. So so that gave me uh, that gave me more degree in light to say, well, um, this look like the end of it. You felt it looked like the end of your marriage. Yes. 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 Sally, want to fill in anything there at that point of the story? Yes, he said I didn't come because he was under that static, so he couldn't. Well, he didn't know I was there, but I came to see him. Yes. And um, I prayed with him, but mm-hmm. he didn't know anything about it. Mm-hmm. And um, and I just asked the Lord to um, uh, to help me to forgive all our misunderstandings mm-hmm. and, um, and make up with him. And... Um, but it didn't happen. It didn't happen. And I used to always try to call him or go where, where he was, mm-hmm. but he would be running from me. Because he was hurting. He was hurting. And yes. he was busy. Yes. And uh, he didn't understand that you would come yeah. to see him in the hospital. Yes. Boy, there was I a lot. I came twice to the hospital to see him, though. Yes. Yeah. The first time I came, I don't know whether he just had the operation or what, but he didn't know me. And the second time I got... The, and the nurse said, well, he's sleeping, you know, I don't want you to disturb him. Yes. So, it was a, I, did, I did come to see him, but yes, he didn't know anything about but it. But he didn't know. And so that kind of put some fuel on his hurt. Yes. And he felt more hurt. Yes. But in fact, you had visited, yeah. but he but was unaware. Was, yeah. Right. So the court got involved in some way eventually. Yes. And they issued you... Um, a unique kind of an order that wasn't a divorce, but it was a freedom to remarry. Is that, do I have that right? Yes. Yeah, so that's something I hadn't heard of before, but um, that's what happened, right? In those days, yes. 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 So with the passage of time, it after the court made that order, uh, what happened in your life? Well, uh, Pastor... The court made that offer, and it it felt good for the time being. But knowing that um, the Lord, the land, have its uh, orders, and God has its orders, even though I was given that green light, yes, I still was I still was convicted. I I, I knew it wasn't right. Mm-hmm. You know, I knew it wasn't right. Mm-hmm. But then again, um, uh, I went along with it, but I wasn't comfortable, I wasn't happy, and, and um, this church, it hurt me a lot that I didn't come here. And why I didn't come here? Because, because she would be here, and I, I didn't want to hurt her feelings, and neither did I would like to be a distraction. Right. To the folks who knew us. So I just said, I'll just leave town, leave the country, leave this, leave this island, go to another one. And, um, you know, I find it easier to, when it's not happy to travel. Yes. Yeah. 
that's very uh, clear what you are saying and how you felt. Sally, how were you feeling at that point when the court did this order? Well, when the court gave the order, I, I decided to look for him mm. and ask forgiveness mm. and for him to make up. Mm -hmm. But at that time, he was just running away. So I, no matter where I, I called him, he, he didn't, sometimes he didn't respond. Mm -hmm. Sometimes he wouldn't, sometimes he wouldn't. So I just decided, well, he probably don't want me anymore. So I decided to go on. Yes. So yeah. you both had um, a reluctant freedom. Is that fair to say? Yeah. Um, and uh, eventually uh, other people came into your lives. Yes. And, and what came of that? Okay, when I met, when I met my other man. Yes. Uh, yeah, he came into my life, and then I thought, well, after I couldn't locate him, I DeWitt. couldn't get, do, I couldn't lo locate DeWitt, so I thought, well, okay, this guy probably come, and life would be better. Yes. But it was worse. It was worse. It was worse. Trust me. Yes. It was worse. We're going to let you tell more about that in our next uh, broadcast, but let's leave the people hanging so they'll come back okay. to hear more. Uh, do it briefly. You, someone else came into your life. Yes. Eventually. Yes. And we'll leave the listeners hanging about that too, so okay. they'll come back okay. <laughs> next uh, Sunday. But let's have a word of prayer. Uh, Lord, we realize that sometimes we misunderstand other people's commitment and love to us uh, based on different things, based on confusion, based on poor information, based on inaccurate uh, information. Lord, um, help us who are trying to interpret relationships that are painful to uh, believe the best of others and to offer forgiveness, even when not asked for it. Uh, may we honor Jesus in our relationships. We pray this in his name. Amen. Amen. You've been listening to Echoes of Calvary, a radio ministry of Calvary Bible Church, Nassau, Bahamas. Our morning worship services are at 8 a.m. and 11 a.m. in our sanctuary, located on Collins Avenue. We encourage you to join us. Feel free to write us at eocradio at gmail.com. That's eocradio at gmail.com or P.O. Box N1684, Nassau, Bahamas. And remember... Everyone needs a savior.